In light of recent events, we decided not to post this episode, which was recorded a little under a month ago with our excellent guest, Richard Newby. But as we begin posting episodes again, we just wanted to make a statement that the Waffle Press supports Black Lives Matter, defunding the police, abolishing ICE, and Trans Lives Matter. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for watching. Enjoy the show. And if you don't support any of those things, you can get fucked. Bye. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Hangouts. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host, Gina Versa. Hey, how you doing? Good to uh, hear from you again. Yeah, good to hear from you, too. Uh, didn't we talk about the Punisher, like, a couple days ago? Yeah, we did. Yeah, that's uh, going to be really soon. Shouldn't yeah, that's and that's a, a Marvel superhero. So, naturally, we have to talk about DC superheroes this week, and with us to help us to to go down that rabbit hole is uh richard newbie thr audiences everywhere one of the best people on twitter uh excellent follow richard how are you my friend welcome back i'm good thank you guys for having me yeah of course it's always a pleasure uh what have you been up to since we last spoke you are our first guest in 2020 and now you are here with us again in a vastly different world <laughs> Yeah, well, I have not been going to the movie theater, obviously. Uh, <laughs> watching a lot of movies uh, at home. Um, I'm currently working my way through the uh, Star Trek films. I uh, I'd, heard, I'd seen the the J.J. Abrams were ones were my introduction to the to the films, and I I watched uh, the original series after the first Abrams ones, but I'd never actually, other than Wrath of Khan, I'd never actually watched the. The series and i haven't seen any of um next generation so i have uh two more of the uh kirk enterprise and then i'm gonna watch like a few of the next generation essentials and then do those films after that um i'm so excited for you and then a quick plug for myself i guess uh, uh talk film society uh runner marcelo pico has uh invited me to do a star trek show with him and our buddy mike schindler uh, so we're doing that later. Well, we're doing it now, but that'll be released later this year, I believe. We might hit the anniversary. We might not. But um, nice. I'm, I'm very interested in your take on Star Trek V because I'm finding that one to be a much more divisive film than I remembered it being. But that, that's, that's I guess, <laughs> a, a whole other conversation here. Uh, Gene, Gene, what else are you watching, my friend? Um, right now I'm just watching uh, Devs by Alex Garland. Um, halfway through, so trying to power through. To, uh, I wish that guy would make more movies, but I'm um, enjoying his TV show, so that's cool. It makes me feel smarter watching <laughs> it. And uh, in regards of TV, just uh, Harley Quinn, DC uh, animated show, which is really fun, really funny. Um, I would recommend that to everyone since we were talking about DC stuff. I'm not sure if you guys watch it. Yeah, I've been watching the. I'm on the first season still, but I really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it gets it's, it's better. It gets better. Um, yeah, it has, it's it's just uh, really it really uses all the mythos, so I'd recommend that. And then, uh, yeah, just uh, just those two shows, and um, yeah, just like random things like Robotech, just trying to get into to pass the time. Yeah, uh, I saw the Lovebirds. That was pretty funny in terms of movies. It's got nothing, nothing else to watch. I, I like those actors, so well, I'll, I'll I'll check it out. And it's on Netflix, and I have Netflix. Uh, the last thing before the the central discussion is I I have been 
rewatching Community, which is excellent, and I would recommend to everyone. And we've also got a Birds of Prey commentary up on the Patreon, so check that out. The time of uh, of you're listening to this, you you will also be able to listen to that on the Patreon as well. And um, that's a fantastic film, and maybe my favorite of the DCAU. I think a maybe the most underrated superhero movie of many many years. Um, but the DCAU tends to be a little controversial on the internet. And I, I, <laughs> a little. I, a little. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not proud of it, but I definitely contributed to that discourse in the past as well. We like what we like. We dislike what we dislike. Uh, and the mythical Snyder Cut, after many years of further discourse, is finally greenlit. It will appear on HBO Max in 2021. Richard, you have been tracking this longer than maybe any of us on this podcast, and I think are a bigger flag waver of the Zack Snyder Superman trilogy than us as well. Uh, you know I'm, I'm more pro-BVS now than I was a couple years ago. Uh, Gene, not so much. Richard, I, I'm very curious about your thoughts on the, the revelation that the Snyder Cut is actually happening now and your history with, with these films i uh so i i remember seeing man of steel uh opening night and i was just this was this was pre-twitter uh so i just like remember being like so hyped about it uh after leaving the theater and i saw it again that weekend and it's funny because like in these pre like twitter days i had no idea that it was such a controversial movie like i thought it was like amazing and like everybody that i saw it with thought it was amazing and so I was just, like, really excited to see where Zack Snyder was going to go with it. Like, I, I liked all of his previous films before, um, Watchmen uh, in particular. So I was just, like, really excited to see what he was going to do with these DC characters. Um, and then, so I, I joined uh, Twitter in the in the intermediate before, uh, between Man of Steel and BVS. So then I got uh, wind of all the, <laughs> the controversies uh, surrounding it. But I've always been a big fan of of his work, um, especially in terms of his thoughts on how these characters are like mythological figures. Um, and I, I think that his voice, I just think that it, it brings something different to uh, superhero films. And especially like with these characters, like I know that some of the, the choices that he makes um, are controversial, but I think that especially in terms of Batman and Superman, I think that they work because we've had previous iterations um, of these characters. Like we've had really good Batman films and really good Superman films before this. So I think like his ability to deconstruct some of the aspects of the character or even like go back to some of the comic book uh, aspects that have kind of been forgotten or rewritten um, and shifted around in continuity has been really interesting. Um, so I, I've always been a big fan of like what he was what he was planning. So it was a massive bummer, um, you know, when he had to 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 leave the project, and then uh, how how Warner Bros handled that, um, which I don't think I think that the product. I mean, there are things that I there are things that I enjoy about that theatrical cut uh, in terms of the performances, but it's really a it's a Frankenstein movie that's a mess, and I don't really I don't blame like any particular filmmaker. Like I know that some people think that it's uh joss whedon's fault but i don't really think that it's his fault either i think it's a lot of studio execs and i think that if he had if whedon had made a justice league film from scratch it would have been completely different um 
but I'm really excited to see Snyder continue what he started and really continue uh, those themes, whether this is the conclusion of a trilogy or whether there's anything else planned afterwards. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a really big deal. Uh, one that I, I wasn't expecting. I always figured that the Snyder cut would eventually be released, but I, I thought it would be kind of like the, the Donner cut and happen like decades afterwards. Um, so I, I'm really excited that it's happening when, you know, everyone's still really excited about it. And, you know, the actors are still, uh, in these roles and there's still, you know, movies happening around them. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a major shift, I think, in terms of what Warner Bros is, is doing with their, with their universe. Yeah, I, I'm definitely more on your wavelength with this, uh, especially in in regards to like, I've been harsh on the Justice League film that we've all seen, and I think it's because even though I'm I'm not I'm still not a Man of Steel guy, got to be honest. I like BVS, but I and I'm I'm totally okay with the swings Snyder takes with the characters. It really is just like I I don't vibe with some of his execution sometimes, like. I, I I think I like where he's headed or where his head's at. Just, uh, you know, sometimes it swings out of the park and sometimes I'm like, oh, look, a home run, you know? And, like, I, I'd rather have that than something that does feel a little more packaged and sent out and it's like, don't look, Superman's smiling now. You guys wanted that, right? It's like, <laughs> I don't really care about anything happening, though. <laughs> so, like, whatever, you know? And uh, thank you for, for also shouting out that, like, you know, it's no one person's fault. It's just a, it's a series of decisions. You know, no one sets out to make a movie that people are going to hate, you know? And uh, I, I agree that Whedon probably would have made a better film on his own. And this might be controversial. I actually would like to see them team up again, <laughs> Snyder and Whedon, but, like, of their own volition, you know? Just, like, <laughs> oh, have have Whedon write something and have Snyder direct it. I think that would be, like, insane in, like, a really fun way. But, um... They probably don't like each other. <laughs> no, I mean, people forget Snyder, like... Didn't he, like, handpick Whedon to finish it? <laughs> I don't am, know. am I am I misremembering that or am I that that was a line that WB said that Snyder uh, was like down with Whedon taking over, but apparently he didn't have any choice in it. Oh, yeah. okay. Seems like a Kevin Sujihara. Oh yeah, everyone's favorite. Uh, no further comments on that. But Gene, what what are your thoughts on the the Snyder cut happening? As as someone who did like Man of Steel and is kind of progressively like less of that. Um, well, I mean, I still like Man of Steel. Um, I'd go. I'd probably defend that movie like 90% of the way. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's pretty decent. I just don't care for the ending. Um, I, I don't know. I'm kind of easy on just, I'm kind of, uh, kind of go easy on justice league. I found myself, I don't really like particularly dislike the cut as it came in. Um, I just was kind of, I don't know, a little, uh, a little like a DCU out, out at that point um when they when it came out didn't really have any strong feelings um the cut coming out right now i guess that's that's kind of you know i guess it's kind of interesting i'm not not really particularly like hyped about it i guess um it's it's interesting to see i guess just kind of being neutral about it uh just what was like myth and then what was actually fact at this point since you have you know like kevin smith saying all this uh there was like green lantern and things like that which i guess there was in that flashback but not like hal jordan so 
don't know. I guess it's uh, cool to just see like what was just real at this point, you know, become less uh, sensationalized. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm really down with, too. I think something we're all taking for granted, whether or not people are or are not excited for this is that we don't know what it entails. And this is, Zach, like, Zack Snyder's been, like, leaking, like, storyboards and concept art and images and whatever. But, like, we we genuinely don't know what's going to happen in this movie. And that's, like, a really exciting prospect to me. Because, like, so often... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not someone who, like, does complain about trailers all the time. But, you know, on occasion you get a trailer and it's like, that did kind of show everything. And you can still enjoy the film apart from that, you know, like... Like Aquaman, I, I was like, yeah, you can yeah. kind of see the structure of the movie in the trailer, but I love Aquaman. Who cares, you know? Uh, but I don't know. That's just kind of cool. You're going into a movie blind that's already been completed and, <laughs> and it's going to have two separate versions now. Um, for me, I, I got the Alien 3 effect from this where it's like, here's a theatrical cut of a film that I do not particularly care for. And then now I get to watch the assembly cut of it which I think Alien 3 is still my favorite of the Alien sequels in its assembly cut form. Uh, and so, I don't know, I, I think this this could be something really special, and I, I don't think anyone should take it for granted for what a f- weird, fun time we're living in. Obviously, the world's in a not great place. Let's, I'm talking about silver linings here, though. So let's... I was going to ask if, uh, if there wasn't a pandemic, do you think it would have been greenlit as uh, quickly? Not as quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I know, it's a weird question, but... No, I mean, I I don't think it would have been as quickly. And, Richard, I'd love to hear your your thoughts on this, too. But, like, my theory that I I was kind of teasing Gene before this, uh, before we started recording, that my theory is that they decided to greenlight this because it's mostly just, like, VFX stuff that I assume needs to be done. Again, this is just a theory. And that uh, the reshoots that are supposed to happen are not going to be, like, crazy expensive. So it's it's easier to fund something like this that's basically almost already finished versus an entirely new production that'll be more than $100 million or something. I don't know. Am I, am I crazy here, guys? No, I think that because, I mean, in the, the, the article that came out after he announced it um, was saying that uh, he was contacted about it in uh, November after... Um, you know, the, the release of the Snyder Cut trended on Twitter. Um, so I do think that they had plans for it. For a while. I, do, I think that the fact that it's happening so soon, I do think has a lot to do with that it's VFX work, and a lot of VFX workers are, like, in need of work right now because yeah. no other production's happening. And, um, you know, he can bring the cast back to do ADR, which apparently he's doing. And I think that any of the, the reshoots or additional scenes, I think that those are going to be mostly uh, visual effects, which I mean, kind of makes sense given his background and things like 300. I don't think that he has to actually be on location um, for a lot of it, especially if he's like adding in, you know, elements of apocalypse and some new gods backstory. I think a lot of that could be handled uh, through visual effects. Yeah, I I think that too. And uh, credit to Snyder. I think he's a really great VFX director. Um, Something that I I don't think, uh, no, I'm, I'm a Whedon fan, but I don't think he's as strong a director as he is writer, especially visually. Uh, and and Snyder could could just make anything like visually stunning, you know. And uh, I, I I think I'm really excited to see what his his final film will look like after 
all this time. And I, I remember the, the talk being that it was going to be like a two-part film. So I'm a little curious about is is it going to be a little rewritten as well? Uh, or is he going to be able to come back and like finish his entire story? I don't I don't I haven't heard a lot of talk about this one. Um, Richard, what do you think about that? Do you think he's going to come back just for this one like last go round, or is he teeing up a possible part two? He said, like in the Man of Steel commentary, that he was going to conclude the trilogy with this one. But I like can't imagine if it does as well as I feel like WB is hoping. And, you know, all the, the, the Twitter noise, if that turns into views, I can't imagine that they would say no to him doing more uh, eventually. I don't know if it'll be any soon, um, but I definitely think that he's going to leave something open to continue. And uh, Joe Magliano had talked about, he said, like, wait until you see the original post credit scene. So unless that's, like, going to be like work back into the the body of the movie instead of a post credit scene. It definitely seems like there could be something uh you know that that leads to something else. I think that it'll have a a thematic conclusion in case, you know, it doesn't work out and it'll leave people satisfied, but I also think that the door will be left open for further adventures if if he wanted to go in that direction. That's, that's what I'm really hoping for. Uh Gene, what do you think? Is this his last go round? I mean, uh uh, I don't know. I I think I can't I can't see him directing another like DC movie because I don't know. It seemed like uh that would be a step down for him if he was kind of like the I don't know. He's sort of like the Kevin Feige, like start you know shaping the universe, but it's not really a universe anymore. I don't know. I really can't see him going back to uh direct like another DC movie. To be honest, I I. There are no rules anymore. If 2020 has taught us anything, is that rules don't matter. Everything we yeah. once knew is completely out the window. And I brought up, I was rewatching Community uh, earlier in this podcast. Community changed showrunners in between seasons and then brought back the original showrunner when they saw things weren't working out. So uh, even though the rules are out the window, there is also historical precedence for crazier things to have happened. So Right. No, of course. I mean, I yeah. guess it's just like the same logic that like, like James Gunn will be back again at Marvel after finishing Guardians three, you know, just like his yeah said what he wanted to do and just gets out of there. And then he too was also let go after Guardians yeah. two and then brought back different circumstances, of course, but still he came back and no one thought that would happen. So I I, I don't know. It's it's a very exciting time. I'm not I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just I just think it's kind of just unlikely. Yeah, I I could I, I see where you're coming from completely and you any one of us could be right right now and that's a really exciting possibility uh but also on this discussion i wanted to bring up the idea of extended cuts and director's cuts obviously this is kind of like the biggest extended director's cut uh like in maybe at least in terms of like expense maybe the biggest one in cinematic history i think the other big recent one um was the other side of the wind which is like my favorite film of the last decade <laughs> Uh, everyone go watch that on Netflix. It's incredible. But we asked the Twitter people what their favorite extended and director cuts are. So I, Richard, Gene, I would like for both of you to think on your favorite extended and director's cut so we can kind of shoot the shit about those. But really quick, from uh, at Twitter user Demi Joey, funny enough, Zack Snyder's director's cut of Sucker Punch is their favorite. 
Um, and our boy Andrew J. Stalazar from Discussing Film, check him out, uh, thinks the longer individual cuts of Death Proof and Planet Terror are worth mentioning, and I would completely agree with that. Uh, Richard, what are some of your favorite extended or director's cuts? Uh, my favorite is is Blade Runner, uh, which also happens to be my favorite movie. Um, I saw the director's cut first, and then I saw the, the final cut. Um, but I've seen every version now. Um, and it, it's an amazing, amazing process to go from like the, the work print, from the theatrical, the directors, and now the final cut. Uh, it's really interesting. Uh, the final cut is, is, is definitely my favorite. There, is, there are a few like different lines in the director's cut that I prefer. Um, but uh, that and um, I really like the uh, ultimate cut of Watchmen. That uh, that has the Curse of the uh, Black Sails uh, animated uh, portion in it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's like structured more like the graphic novel, um, and that one is it's it's probably it's probably my my other favorite after after Blade Runner. It's just a it's a whole different experience. I think it's like an extra hour and a half longer than the theatrical. Yeah, because there was a that it was the animated movie. And then they just like spiced in there uh, too. I actually I really like James Cameron's uh, Avatar extended cut. I'm a I'm a big Avatar fan, which I know is another actual <laughs> movie. But yeah. I just I I really like what he did with it. I just think it's a it's a very like pure kind of classic science fiction story heightened by like great special effects. And the extended cut just gives him more of an opportunity to play with some of those special effects in the world that he created. So. I'm just, I'm I'm down to see more of whatever James Cameron does. So. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that's like the only movie filming in the entire world right now. <laughs> so people, you know, trying to dunk on that movie like it's not going to be a success, but I think that's going to be really successful when this is all said and done. Yeah, and you know what? It's just I'm also pro Avatar now. I'm pro BVS. I'm pro Avatar. I'm pro Snyder Cut. It, it, the last couple years have been very odd for, for Diego, but uh, I, I am also pro-Avatar. And this I don't know if this is a hot take, but I don't think I'm a fan of James Cameron's other director's cuts. Uh, I think with Avatar, um, it actually does do a great job of like fleshing out just a little bit more of characters and relationships. Just, just, just enough to be like, oh, th- this kind of teeters over into further greatness, you know, and... Uh, yeah, I, I cannot wait for those sequels. Those don't un- underestimate James Cameron. Uh, a couple more recommendations. Uh, at Good Hunter Abby, Abby Jean Phelps, good friend of the show, said the extended cut of The New World, the final cut of Blade Runner, and the reconstructed cut of Touch of Evil, which I have also seen and is incredible. And Orson Welles is a maniac, and I miss him every day. <laughs> Uh, Gene, what other extended cuts, director's cuts are, are you a fan of? Yeah, um, I had two favorites. One was Donnie Darko, the director's cut, I think. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I think it really explains a lot of stuff. That's It kind of reminds me of uh, Rise of Skywalker, where everything's like explained off screen, like in a book or in the script or on a website. In the director's cut, they uh, actually put all that information there, which they they couldn't have in the, uh, you know, with the budget that they had. So it's, you know, it's like stuff, uh, like stuff with like animated pages, things like that, kind of directly explaining all the metaphysical time travel stuff, which, 
you know, kind of thinking about it, I remember seeing the original cut of it, like, back in high school, because I, I got the director's cut later, maybe a few months after, and I kind of got it, but, like, not, not really, <laughs> like, yeah. like, vaguely, like, I kind of understand what they're saying, and, like, I just wonder what a general audience thought of that back in the day, I mean, it had a cult following, but, you know, there's just, like, key information that's just, like, not explained that's pretty crucial to the plot, like, how he gets... <laughs> his powers, things like that. But, you know, if you watch the mm. movie, it's just, it's just, you know, it's just happening. So kind of appreciating that for explaining stuff. I haven't seen that director's cut, but it sounds like it's the opposite problem of the Blade Runner theatrical cut, you know, where it's like the theatrical cut of Blade Runner explains everything. It's like, you get it. You got it when they, they, they cut to the scene. And now we're listening to Harrison Ford, like just hate his life. Or the voiceover. <laughs> I just, I, yeah, just, I'm grateful for the uh, the uh, those cuts of Blade Runner because it's just I hate the voiceover, like I really just don't care for it. Um, and that was like the first cut I saw, and I mean, I mean it was it's fine, but now I just don't like the voiceover because he's just saying just like really oblique stuff, you know, like like just really like out. I don't know, he's just like kind of like you know he doesn't want to be there. Harrison Ford recording the lines and. You know, the lines are just, just like, it's, they're trying so hard to be, like, a, out of a direct a detective book, like a noir story. Like, it's, like, they're really, like, putting, like, all that noir speak in there. Which, yeah. Know. And, like, it just doesn't fit because no one cares. It's just such an obvious studio note. And that's, that's too bad because, like, we have the final cut and we see, like, its full vision completed. And it's, yeah, it's, like, the best movie ever. <laughs> so... And, uh, yeah, my second one was the Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even though, like, you know, some of that is a little rough, you know, like, they literally have, like, test footage that they filmed with, like, the cast, right? Mm. Um, it's, like, the scene where Lois shoots Superman, and it's like, oh, she had a blink this whole time. Like, that looks a little rough, but I don't know, um, I'm just glad the tone of that movie with that cut is, like, more... I don't want to say serious because it's still lighthearted, but it takes out like all the weird goofiness out of there. Like, if you guys remember that scene with the guy, he's on the phone, like in the toll phone, and then Zod does like a super breath, or someone does a super breath, and he's still on it. He's still talking because he's like he's like laughing. It's so dumb. Like the I forgot the name of those producer or the producers of the of the movie that like had that like had all that weird humor in there, but just doesn't work in the original cut. Mm. And um, I really like Brando um, as a as a Jor-El. Seeing him again was, you know, pretty cool to um, see him in the film. And um, I think actually, I don't know. I think him doing the the time travel bit, spinning the world backwards. I think that works better. I think in Superman two than Superman one. Really interesting. Yeah. I I definitely disagree there, but that's okay. Yes. Yeah. I, I like Superman too. This is this is not a Superman two dig at all. Yeah, because because uh, the if, correct me if I'm wrong, but the the time travel bit that was supposed to be in Superman two, not Superman one. That's from what I read. Oh, I don't know actually. I don't Richard, know, Richard you know? can you back me up? I'm not sure. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, let's, you just like cracked open a whole new world for me, Gene. I gotta okay. go looking for this after. Let's let's. Uh, I don't want to say that as completely accurate, but let's. Uh, yeah, we could look into that after, but that's what I believe. Okay, yeah, I mean, that that makes it more interesting because it's just so pivotal to Superman 1 for me that I guess this is this is a quick discussion then too, like a sidebar before we start wrapping up. Um, I think 
it's also important to remember while it's fun to talk about director's cuts and extended cuts and like seeing through a complete vision that movies are ultimately a like the product of a group of people not not a singular person you could all try to to craft something that was started from a singular person's idea or something right but you know at the end of the day it is a bunch of people coming together to make something entertaining or have something to say in a group and so um there's there's also a much more in-depth video on on this from uh h bomber guy who i'm a big fan of and uh it's check out scanline uh the, like i think it's called like the myth of director's cut or something like that um it's a it's a great video it's like 45 minutes long and it's all about that but uh yeah just just something to to remember well, as fun as this is to talk about because uh just because it's one person's opinion does not mean it's correct and you know directors are also just human beings so, um, like, I guess one of my favorites is well-known and well-documented Alien 3, which David Fincher will never watch again. And I can't blame him because that must have been an awful, awful experience to live through. But I think the movie came together in spite of all the trials and, and awful tribulations he had to go through. He's such a good filmmaker that a movie he disowned is, like, remarkable <laughs> from top to bottom at least in terms of like directing and lighting and, and and performances and just yeah i mean i don't think anyone would say it's a boring looking movie at least you know and uh, I, I think that 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 goes a long way um at prince m5420 miles a harris friend of the show alien 3 the a-team bvs watchmen Miami Vice, The Counselor, Counselor Gang, Pineapple Express, The Other Guys, Kingdom of Heaven, and The Hateful Eight. I think Ridley Scott's like the king of director's cuts. Am I wrong here? Yeah, he has He has a bunch. I just watched Kingdom of Heaven uh, this year for the first time, so I've only uh, the extended cut, um, which I'm, I'm happy about because I, I looked up what the theatrical one was, uh, and the stuff that they cut out is just like such like crucial information uh, that I'm just like not even sure how how that happened, but yeah, I feel like Ridley Scott constantly has to uh, to battle for different cuts. Yeah, and that, that's too bad. And I guess uh, I was looking up some interviews with him and other filmmakers that have had to go through this in preparation for this. And he's saying that like he constantly is just like saying yes to like whatever the studios want while trying to like weasel his own way through, right? And so when he goes back for reshoots, like. In an interview, I'll try to find it and link it down below, but, like, he was saying, like, you know, I don't always tell them, like, what I'm going back to reshoot. Like, I'm saying, like, yeah, this is what I'm going to go shoot, and then, you know, I'll carve out, like, about half the day and shoot something else, and maybe they'll catch it in the editing, maybe not, but, you know, he's he's basically, like, a renegade filmmaker, and he's, like, 82 years old. I love him so much. Um, I would also recommend Kingdom of Heaven to everyone, the extended cut, because that, I think that's a great film, and that kind of should have been his next Gladiator hit. Uh, unfortunately, it did, that did not go that way. Uh, and I guess the last one I'll mention here, uh, uh, Stefano says, Black Hat, Kingdom of Heaven, Batman vs. Superman, the French release of Le Transporteur, which I believe are the transporter, <laughs> um, Touch of Evil, Almost Famous, and The Wild Bunch. The Wild Bunch is also a very popular one. Uh, Almost Famous, I have not seen the director's cut, but check out a retrospective on that, that film because that's a great film regardless. And Black Hat... Uh, is the director's cut is only available through uh, <laughs> film Twitter people that have taken the time to upload it to share with other film Twitter people. So <laughs> no, no further comment on that. Um, 
But yeah, that's there's a lot of great extended and director's cuts out there. I'll always do a little more research and see the history behind the films. You'll get a lot of uh, uh, spare reading to do and in these times of quarantine. Of, and you could check out other great writing from people like Richard Newby, who I'm very thankful again for joining us on this episode. I know we got to let you go a little early today. Um, again, thank you so much. It's, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. Where can the people find you? Um, yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter at Richard L. Newby. Um, and then you can find my work um, on The Hollywood Reporter. I write for the Heat Vision section. Um, and yeah, I was really glad to, to talk to you guys. I always love being on the show. Uh, you guys always have really interesting, insightful things to say. And uh, especially, I, I think, you know, uh, these discussions can become so heated sometimes on Twitter that I that uh, podcasts like yours, you know, really remind people that we're all just film lovers and, you know, we just, we like stories and, and talking about them with each other. And I think that's, that's the key. Thank you so much. That, that, I really yeah. appreciate that, yeah. man. Thank you. That was very oh, nice. Thank you, man. Yeah. And uh, of, of course, I'll, I'll always keep up with your stuff. And of course, you will also be the first person we bring on to talk about the Snyder Cut once it's eventually released next year yeah there, there's no other person i'd rather talk about it with yeah looking forward to next year just for yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. Also, also that yeah uh gene my friend thank you so much again and oh i didn't even mention you let me uh check out samurai jack which is oh, i finally yeah. saw the final season it's really good you're welcome no no director's cut there but thank you for recommending that to me I had to keep and, bugging him to see it yeah, but you know what? I got time now, so whatever. Gene, <laughs> uh, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, Gene9892. And you can follow me at the Twitter at the Diego Crespo. Check out The Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon, where you can listen to this, early commentaries, early episodes of Happy Amblin. Uh, check out everything else we got going on over there. Fun mashups, fun everything, hopefully. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional. Professional.